Among all those that I'm grateful for, um, I would put uh, Roman uh, right up there. I'm grateful for him filling in for me during a couple of those weeks that I was gone. I heard great reports. I'm grateful for Al Hicks as well, who, who preached. And if you are new to us today, what we are doing during the summers, we've set aside a verse-by-verse exposition through the Gospel of John, and we're, we're taking a run at a summer theme of just seeking God. And our hope is to experience revival, personal revival. And so what we're doing each Sunday morning is we're, we're hitting on a theme. Last week, Roman hit on repentance. Uh, this particular morning, I'm, I'm using I'm going to be speaking about the grace-filled life, and we're using a book called Seeking Him. Uh, and if you would like a copy of this, there's, a, there's eight copies up here. If we need more, we certainly can get you some of those. And as I'm preaching through grace this morning, then our small groups, our Sunday school classes, and the days that follow, we'll be, be doing daily work through this and, and learning more about grace uh, throughout the week. So this is a, a great time for us just to set aside our summer with the desire for our individual lives and our church family to experience revival. If your life as a Christian is like mine, you might be able to reflect back at the early days and say, wow, was that an exciting time a sweetness, a time where the burden was lifted and I felt light, a time where I experienced inexpressible joy, and maybe for the first time in your life, true satisfaction. You are now a child of God. And then you probably began attending a church, maybe this church, And there was one that was faithfully opening up the scriptures and teaching you what the word says. And it was there where you realized the importance of being in the Bible every day, reading it, meditating on it, memorizing it, hearing it preached to you and applying it to your life. You likely also heard the importance of prayer. In fact, we are to have a a lifestyle of consistently praying, praying without ceasing. It's possible the pastor stood to you one morning and said, you have a spiritual gift if you are a Christian. You need to discover what that is, and we need your help here at this local church. And you understood that there was a role for you to faithfully serve. Then it's possible that you learned about a class that would help you how to teach the gospel to others. And so you, you felt the responsibility and the weight of that as well. And then you learned that really what Christians do is disciple others. And after a while, as each of these instructions are being added to you, you realize what many have, that the Christian life is not just difficult, it's, well, it's impossible. How will you do this? Then it's also possible during that time you were hearing some clear teachings about the importance of having a clear conscience, about having right relationships with people. And the pastor perhaps challenged you and asked you, is there anyone in this world today that you have offended or hurt that you have not gone back to and reconciled that relationship? 
Well, I remember hearing a message like that in my early years, and I remember making a list of people who I had a wrong relationship with. And it began in my family with my stepdad, my dad, my my older brother. And how was I going to gather up the courage to, to go to them and with humility express to them that I was wrong for damaging that relationship? Maybe you, during your years, also heard a message about cheating. And, and has there ever been a time where you've cheated and you haven't made that right? I remember in my early years hearing a message like that, and my mind went back to, well, a class that I had in college on, on, on a Friday where we would have these very difficult quizzes. And there was an older man that was in my class. He sat in the row right next to me. He was probably twice my age. He always had a 16-ounce Mountain Dew with him. And he was smart. And I remember on those hard quizzes, if I could just angle a little bit, I could look over his shoulder, and I could get good answers on that quiz. And I felt the, the pain of conviction. Yeah, I've cheated. And being challenged to say, well, you need to make that right. Where was I going to gather the power to be able to to do that, even though it could cost me my diploma? Or how about a message on stealing? Has there ever been a time where you've stolen something? Oh, plenty. I I can think back to stealing quarters out of my, my stepdad's peanut jar to go down to the arcade but I can also think about times when I worked at a grocery store and, and would steal from that. Everyone else did, but it didn't make it right. And so where do you get the strength? Where do you get the power to live out this Christian life? And I got good news for you. Because grace not only saves you, but grace enables you to live the Christian life. And so this morning, what we are going to do is we're going to talk about the grace-filled life. Now, we're going to be looking at assorted passages throughout the Scriptures. So we're going to be, I'm just going to ask you to be turning from one page to the next to be able to follow along with me. I think I've got a... And with that, why don't we begin? By the way, if you did not get a bulletin... They're in a strange place this morning, but they're right back there, and there is an outline if you'd like to have an outline as we go through this. Let's first consider defining grace. What is grace? Now, there's no shortage of very helpful definitions, but I think what I'd like to do this morning is kind of define it by sharing a a little bit of a personal story. Now, you see there a dresser. That's not just any dresser. That's a dresser from my bedroom. Now, if you look closely at that dresser, you'll see something that's a little bit different about that dresser. Do you see something different? Check out the mirror, okay? Several weeks ago, I was throwing the Frisbee out in our yard with a couple of my boys when one of my boys came out to me and alerted to me, and he said, Hey, Dad, uh, the mirror on your dresser broke. All right, well, tell me about that. And so I I heard a story of just an accidental thing that took place where that mirror fell on the edge of the dresser and just shattered into what seemed like a 100 pieces. In fact, 
Uh, just this week, I felt the effects of it <laughs> as I, I stepped on a little piece of glass on my way to bed. Uh, but let's just talk a little bit about what grace is as it relates to this mirror. What would justice be? Justice would be to my boys to be able to say to them, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take this mirror to a glass cutter, a mirror cutter in town, and I'm going to get it repaired. And then for the next year or two, your allowance is going to go towards repairing this mirror, right? That would be justice. Would you agree with me that that would be fair? Okay, that's justice. Let's talk for a moment about what mercy would be. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Mercy would be, you know what? I'm going to forgive you for this. In fact, I'm going to take this down and I'm going to have it repaired myself at my own expense and I'm going to allow you to go free. That's mercy. What would grace be? Grace would be getting what you don't deserve And grace would be, I'm not only going to forgive you, I'm not only going to pay for this out of my own money and have it repaired, but we got a three-day weekend coming up, and we're going camping. And I'm going to get you some s'mores. We're going to go rock climbing. We're going to go swimming. And we're going to go fishing because those are the things you like. That is grace. Grace is receiving what we do not deserve. Now, there might be one that says, how good of a parent is that? You, you need to give justice to your, your kids. And, and there is a place for that. But just for the sake of illustration, grace is receiving what we do not deserve. And what I want to do this morning is look through a variety of passage where we're going to look at grace applied in our lives. So let's first consider one way that grace is applied, and that is grace that saves. So look with me. Again, we're going to look at a variety of different passages. Look with me at Romans chapter 3, because I want you to see this. Romans chapter 3. This is a great book that lays out for us an absolute clarity what the gospel is, and I appreciate what Romans 3 has to say. It says in Romans 3, if you have your outline, beginning in verse 20, For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. That is, one is not made right with God by obeying the Scriptures. Since through the law comes knowledge of sin, the scriptures only reveal to us the sin that we have. Verse 21 says, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. That is, we are made right with God apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. Verse 22. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and then look at verse 24, and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption 
that is in Christ Jesus. We are made right with God, separate from our own works, purely by the grace of God. Let me look at another passage with you, one that you're likely familiar with, and that's Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. We look at the first few verses there of Ephesians 2. Verse 1 says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work, the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. This speaks to us before we were Christians. We were not just spiritually sick, we were spiritually dead, and we are children of wrath. And then you know verses 8 and 9 that says, By grace have you been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. There is a common misunderstanding, even among some religious people that we might know, that says something like this. I understand that grace is free, but I need to position my life in order to be eligible to earn that grace. So one might say, if I can get my anger under control, then I will be worthy of grace. Or if I can kick another sinful habit, then God will offer me grace. But if at any measure you can earn it, then it is not a gift and it is not grace. In the spring, one of my boys went to a Bucks game and they had a, a free replica championship ring giveaway. Free. Well, I'm just here to tell you that there was anything but free about that. It cost me gas money to get down there. And it cost me about $50 a ticket to get into that game. But we may think of that way, oh, it was free. I just had to do some things to earn it. But that is not what God's grace is. It is giving us what we do not deserve. It was A.W. Tozer that says this, The love of God is manifested brilliantly in his grace towards undeserving sinners. And that is exactly what grace is. God's love flowing freely to the unlovely. Now when we think of grace, most likely we go back to this saving grace. But it is not the only sort of grace of how it is applied to life. Secondly, grace that supplies power. And I want you to look at Philippians chapter 2, just moving to the right a bit. Philippians chapter 2, there is not only this grace that just saves us, but there is a grace that provides power for us. Look at what it says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and and to work for his good pleasure. 
God's grace not only enables us to know what his will is, but then he provides the power to carry out that will. God never asks you to do something in which he does not supply the grace to carry it out. He provides the command and the power to obey that command. So at the beginning of this message, I spoke about when a person becomes a new Christian and they hear about these disciplines like reading the Bible, like praying, like applying the Bible, like sharing the gospel with others, it can feel overwhelming. When God tells you you need to get right with relationships around you that you have had a part in breaking, when you need to make right with something you've stolen or or time where you've cheated. I I can remember, God, how am I going to put together a letter to write to the chancellor of this university? What happens if I do that? And he says, I want your diploma. It would be by the grace of God. God, I'm going to trust you that you're leading me to do this and I'm going to do it. I'm going to humble myself and go to these previous supervisors at the, at the store and, and tell them, I stole from you. Here's, here's retribution, restitution for that. I'm going, to, I'm going to go to my family members or the people that I have wronged. I'm going to humble myself by the grace of God, the power that you supply. So when you think about the scriptures, there's so many difficult things that we are asked to do. Let me just give you a handful of them. The scriptures tell us to give thanks in everything. I'm going to ask you, does that come natural to you? The Bible says, do all things while grumbling or complaining. Where are we going to find the strength not to grumble or complain? The Bible tells us to forgive one another. How about this? Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Or flee youthful lust. Make disciples. Husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church. I think there are probably many men in this room today that says, that's not within me. I I lack the confidence. I lack the know-how to be able to lead my wife and my family. And loved ones, that's not a bad place to be. Because then you see you need power. You need God's grace to be able to apply that. Wives, submit to your own husbands. Fathers, bring your children up in the discipline and instructions of the Lord. Employees, obey your employers. Or how about this? Fear God and keep his commandments. What does this look like on a normal day? I think this is what it looks like. We, we are taking in the scriptures. We're hearing the word read and taught to us. And as we're going about our day, we are faced with an opportunity to either obey or disobey God. And it's like the word of God comes to our mind and to our heart. And it's going to be something that we can't do in our own flesh. It's not something we can do in our own power. It could be that we sense the Lord is leading us to share the gospel with this person right next to us. And we're like, oh my goodness, there's no way in the world I can do that. I don't even know how to start. If I begin, I'm going to look like a fool. And and he's going to ask a question that I'm not going to be able to answer. But it really goes back to, if God is leading you to do it, then he is going to give you the grace. He's going to give you the words. He's going to give you the power to obey what he is leading you to do. So you open your mouth. 
and you just begin a conversation and allow the Lord to lead there. There is grace that supplies power. It was another pastor, John Piper, who said it this way, Grace is not simple leniency when we have sinned. Grace is the enabling gift of God not to sin. Grace is power, not just pardon. And then that really leads to our third application to grace, and that is grace that sanctifies. Look with me at at Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, as we're seeing that grace is not just only what saves you, but grace is what gives you the power to live out the Christian life. Look at with me at Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. It says this, For the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness, and worldly passions. So, yes, it brought salvation, but you'll see in verse 12 that this grace is also training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. You see, the grace helps us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. And this grace then enables us to live a self-controlled, upright, and godly life. What is sanctification other than just becoming more like Jesus? So it was grace that helps us to enter into a Christian life, and it is grace that enables us to live the Christian life. There's a great promise found in 1 Corinthians 10.13 that says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. When faced with temptation, God will provide the grace to be able to see the escape hatch, to be able to not fall into that sin. If I, I just be honest with you, my wife and I, we have so many similarities, so many things that we like to do together. Um, But one of them that we don't, necessarily like to do together is being on the beach. Uh, She loves the sun. She loves the water. And it's not that I don't like that. It's that I can get bored pretty quick. Um, But you know what? I also found myself uh, on a few different times where we were at the beach on our vacation is uh, not everyone dresses appropriately at the beach. And and I found myself continually turning away and, and continually look, but there's just so many people there. And so I remember a time, actually more than one time, where I was thinking to myself, God, you've provided grace right now. I'm being tempted. I'm being tempted towards lust. Yet your word tells me that you've provided a way of escape. So I'm going to trust that you're going to provide grace right now 
for me to escape this. And you know what would happen? You know what I'm going to do, Melanie? I'm going to go for a walk. Or, you know what? I've got to catch up on my Bible reading. I'll be, I'll be back in a little while. And he consistently, he will always, he is faithful to provide the grace to escape temptation. So this grace is a sanctifying one. There might be a day where we feel guilty or condemned or unworthy, but God's grace reminds us of who we are. Let me give you a final application that we can see in the Scriptures, and that is grace that sustains us in suffering. And for this, we will look at 2 Corinthians. I think these are classic passages where we see grace applied. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Let me just hit this one with you. This speaks about the thorn that is in in Paul's flesh. Let me start in verse 7. It says, So to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, a thorn was given to me in the flesh. A messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. God was so concerned about Paul's sanctification that he allowed and introduced pain into his life. And verse 8, it says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamity. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul was experiencing a high level of pain. And he was asking to be released from that pain. And God had a greater work that he was trying to do in his life. He wanted him to learn that his grace was sufficient for him. Perhaps that's you this week, over this month or this last year, that you've been experiencing pain, maybe physical pain, maybe a pain, maybe just discomfort. And I'm here to tell you that there is grace available to you that will allow you to be sustained in that suffering. During our what seemed endless driving over the last two weeks, I took a recommendation from my wife and I listened to just a magnificent book called Tortured for Christ by Richard Wormberg which happens to be the founder of Voice of the Martyrs. That's that, that ministry towards persecuted Christians. And it tells his firsthand account of what it was like to be a Christian in communist Romania. And it is a gut-wrenching read to hear what he endured along with his wife and along with other Christians at that time. And one part of that book stands out to me. He had finally, after years in prison, been been released, and he went home to be with his wife, and they enjoyed some time of just sweet communion and fellowship with one another. And then at one time he prayed this. He said, God, I just want you to use my life. And if you would most use it outside of jail or back in jail, whatever you want, you just send me where you want me to be and use me. 
God took that prayer, and it wasn't long after that, and he went back into jail and experienced all the pain of being tortured for Christ. But in all of that, he was a light and able to share the gospel. Why do I say that? He knew what it was like to be sustained by the grace of God in the midst of suffering. Perhaps you find yourself today just offering up, hold me, sustain me. I need you in the midst of this crushing news, this throbbing pain, or this temptation to anxiety over upcoming test results. We've, we've learned what, death, what grace is. We've learned of how grace is applied. Where does grace come from? Grace is provided by Jesus. He is the supplier. According to John 1, verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory as the one only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. We read a moment ago that we are justified by grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, Romans 3, verse 24. He is full of grace. Jesus is full of blessing and truth and goodness, and he is what every one of us need. Let me just close our message today then by, I think, asking a very practical question. How can I receive this grace? I think the first answer to that is clearly in the scriptures here through humility. James 4, 6 says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. How do I receive God's grace? It's really by coming to the end of yourselves and being made aware that you lack the resources to live out the Christian life. You need power, you need strength that is outside of you to do that. And to come to a place of a specific areas and say, Oh God, will you help me to accomplish this, what you are calling me to do? I humble myself before you. And there's a great promise there that God gives grace to the humble. And then secondly, through prayer. Through prayer. Look with me at Hebrews 4.14, and then we'll we'll end with that. Hebrews 4.14, 15 through 16. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Listen to what verse 16 says. Let us then, with the confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Where do we find this grace? By humbling ourselves. To by asking for this grace. This morning, I don't stand before people that are wondering, is grace available? I think the real question is, are you living in God's grace? It was Oswell Chambers, I'm paraphrasing now, 
who said that God does not dispense his grace a week in advance or even an hour in advance. He provides the grace that you need on a moment-to-moment basis. So what need do you find in your life today? There are some in this room that the first need that they have is they need to be saved. God, would you help me? I am not able to be made right with God on my own. I need to be made right with you. Would you give me the gift of salvation? I want to receive that gift. There are others here today that are struggling with some crushing news and you need God's grace just to sustain you moment by moment. There are others that recently have been hurt by other people's words and actions and you don't want to go down a path of taking it in on your own and you need God's grace to offer forgiveness so you can offer grace to the one who has wounded you. There are others who are feeling guilty and condemned today. And they just need to be reminded that God's grace is here so that they can live in it. There are those that are struggling with specific habitual sins and they need God's grace that they would find a way of escape to overcome it. I believe this is going to be a great week for our church. Why? We get to hear about grace on Sunday morning. But then those of you who will be working through the daily material are going to be living in grace throughout this whole week. You're going to be learning these principles and you're going to learn the real secret to the Christian life is not only being saved by grace, but then living by this grace as well. And this this message, this chapter that we're going to be covering this week is going to be so essential Because in the weeks that follow, we're going to be learning about holiness and and obedience. And we're going to have to go back to, we apply this by the grace of God. So here's what I'd like to do this morning as we wrap up our message and prepare ourselves for the Lord's Supper. I want to give you an opportunity to apply this message. What specific area are you in need of God's grace in your life? Why don't you just take some moment as Ms. Vanna comes and plays and just ask specifically for God's help. Maybe you're experiencing some suffering and you need some sustaining. Maybe today you, you are in need of God's grace that will provide power to overcome a sinful habit. Maybe you need God's grace to say, I just want to be more and more like Jesus. Help this grace to sanctify me. I'm wondering how many here today would say, I just need this grace to save me from my sins. I want to give you an opportunity just to have a little prayer time right there in your seat as Ms. Vanna plays. Why don't you pray? Ask for God's specific grace at this moment for the needs that are present in your life. Father, what what a marvelous truth. What an encouraging word for us today that we could look around a room and say, you mean you're struggling living the Christian life too? You mean it's overwhelming for you too? It's impossible for you? Okay, well then I'm not alone. Yet today we've heard that apart from your grace, we're, we're just a mess. So thank you for the grace that is extended to everyone here today to be forgiven of their sins.
to be justified, to, to be clean. And if that's you today, why don't you just offer up that prayer to him and say, God, I want to receive this gift. I am like that child of wrath. I am under the, the judgment of yours. And now rescue me. Jesus came to the, die on the cross for my sins. He was raised three days later so that I might know you and, and live out my destiny in following you. And then your grace doesn't just save us, but it stays with us from that day forward. And I pray for myself. I pray for each loved one here that we would be really good at just being humble and continually praying for the supply of grace that you are offering on a moment-to-moment basis. We know what it's like to live it out in our own strength, and it's a mess. Oh, let us be consistent. And may we say what the Apostle Paul says, I am what I am by the grace of God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.